JC Corcoran Podcast. When a man meets the woman he loves, everything changes. His heart races, his head spins. And suddenly, all the dozens and dozens of women he's sleeping with no longer matter. <laughs> a few years ago, I found the woman I love, and I've put some of my feelings into this little ode. <laughs> Every man needs a woman, and I need you. To lift me when I am sad, to comfort me when I am down, to clean me when I am drunk. <laughs> To walk beside me when I want to look like I am not gay. <laughs> to walk in front of me when I need someone to act as a human windbreak. <laughs> to kiss me when I am horny. <laughs> to massage me when I am tense and or horny. <laughs> to make me horny when I am not horny. <laughs> and then to watch me fall asleep. <laughs> I need you, darling, to clean between my toes when they are not clean to my satisfaction. <laughs> to pick the nits out of my hair when I have head lice. <laughs> to try milk for me when I am not sure of the expiration date. <laughs> To be there when I need you to be there and to be out of town the rest of the time. <laughs> My darling, although it may seem sentimental, I want to take this moment to tell you I love you because I don't want to lose half my stuff. <laughs> Good night, my love. I'm just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're our teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before. It's like deja vu all over. Thursday, July 6, 2023, you're at jconthewine.com. A special treat here for the next couple of days, broadcasting from Chicago, both uh, during the podcast and also the morning show we do on K-Wolf at 101.5 in St. Louis and 101.7 West and Beyond, and of course online at kwolf.com with a U-K-W-U-L-F.com on every morning from 5.30 until 10. So uh, I've only seen my sister once in about three and a half years because of COVID. And my daughter, who is now 13, wants to see the sights in Chicago. So we're going to be doing that today. So I'm killing a couple of birds with one stone, getting a chance to celebrate my sister's momentous birthday and uh, also taking my daughter and giving her the big Chicago education. She had her first stop to Portillo's last night. Today we are going to see the bean. That is that big shiny thing that they have in downtown Chicago in the loop. And uh, we're going to see the Home Alone house. She really wants to see that. And she wants to have dinner at night on Michigan Avenue, the Magnificent Mile, because she wants to see all the lights. So we're going to do at least some of that today, and then we'll continue the world tour through the Midwest 
tomorrow. I was trying to get her interested in the farmland. I have a, a very romantic view of the Midwest and of farmland. This represents a lot of my old stomping grounds. I went to college in DeKalb, had me a DeKalb corn hat there for a while. And you can't help but feel a little romantic if you're paying attention. When you're driving up to Chicago and you're just driving along and all that corn, just hundreds of square miles, thousands of square miles of corn growing and soybeans and all the other stuff that basically feeds the entire country. Probably some of it even feeds the world. I didn't always have that view. You know, you're very cynical when you're a kid in your teens and early 20s and you just think to yourself, oh, a bunch of farmers. So you really get to know the situation a little bit and you realize how cool farming really is. Not anything I want to do, but I have a lot of respect for the people who do it. And you figure I lived in St. Louis for 36 years and I went to Chicago Chicago at least a couple of times a year. So when you start calculating it, I've probably done that drive up I-55 somewhere in the vicinity of a hundred times. And like I said, it used to be fun. Just crank the radio. If you had the uh, convertible, put the top down or open the sunroof, whatever. You're driving along and you just say, it's going to take me four and a half hours. Just got to watch the Smokies, as we used to call them, right around Springfield because they have that uh, state police training facility there. And all the cops come out of that place and they stick them on the highway and they start writing tickets like crazy. I love Lake Springfield. I think it's really, really pretty. And like I said, sort of a romantic view. I did a lot of driving through north central Illinois when I was a kid, working at various radio stations, looking for jobs and, uh, you know, visiting girlfriends and stuff like that. You know, some of these girls I dated in college lived in little small towns like Pecatonica. Lanark, there are little specks on the map, and the police in those municipalities don't have a very good sense of humor. I mean, one night I was visiting a girl I was dating in Pecatonica on a Saturday night. I was working in Rockford at the time, and it's about an hour drive. You drive out to Peck, and we're sitting on the steps of a church or something on a Saturday at about 10.30, and the sheriff came out and just chased us, said we couldn't do it. I'm like, why not? And he starts to get out of the car. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. The law operates differently in those little small towns. And I don't mean that in a good way. See all the Trump stuff up and down, <laughs> up and down 55. <laughs> and these guys build these enormous structures supporting Donald Trump. And they have it on their property behind the barbed wire. So you have to drive along and you have to see it. There's no way you can knock it down or destroy it or anything like that without trespassing and taking your life in your hands. I think those guys probably have it monitored. And there's one of them right now. Probably got a little camera out there and everything like that. And uh, those people are pretty good with shotguns. Uh, I don't think I'm uh, willing to take that chance. But the biggest problem is the way people drive now. And after having driven 17 hours from Florida to Maryland Heights about a week and a half ago, and then driving the four and a half hours from Maryland Heights up to Aurora yesterday, I can report to you that people don't know how to drive. And the biggest problem we have is people not getting out of the passing lane. And that is what it's called, by the way. A lot of people refer to it as the fast lane. It's not the passing lane. And over the last, you know, it started in places like Wisconsin, and it has spread now across the entire nation. Because I drove through the deep south, through Georgia, you know, Alabama, Mississippi, Kentucky, Tennessee, all those places, and it's the same everywhere. People will not get out of the far left 
Lane, I don't know what's going on either. I don't know why this is happening. I wish I had some way to, you know, follow people to their homes or to a gas station or a restaurant or wherever there is, they're going to stop and just ask them, you know, you're, you're very obstinate. You refuse to get out of the passing lane, even though you can see you're screwing up the traffic flow. And it's very dangerous because when you're having people merge from the right to the left, but then you're forcing people from the left to the right because people won't get out of the passing lane. Now you have those things colliding and that's very, very dangerous. The cops will not enforce the law just the way the umpires won't enforce the law about not being able to run inside the foul line when you're running to first base, you get hit in the back and they almost never call it. The police will sit there and they'll write you a ticket for going, you know, eight or nine miles over the speed limit. But if you're screwing up traffic and really creating a dangerous situation, they're doing nothing because that's too hard. That would require work. But I so much want to know what the mindset is. Why won't you move? You got cars lined up, a dozen cars lined up behind you because they can't get around you because there's trucks in the right lane and you won't get out of the passing lane. You're, you've got the you know things set at you know, people, I, I swear, I'm sure people got cruise control set at, you know, one mile an hour below the speed limit and they're just sitting back in their car and they're just enjoying the view and they don't understand or they don't care. And if they don't care, why don't they care? Or if they don't know, why don't they know? I swear to God, if I was in charge of giving the driver's test, I'd make 19 of the 20 questions you have to answer to get your license for the written part of the thing. 19 of the 20 questions would be about getting out of the fucking passing lane. I had a guy yesterday. I had a guy yesterday. He was in a sedan, and I don't know. I guess he thought I cut him off, even though I absolutely did not. Not even close. And the only reason I'm saying that is because I'm just trying to read his mind. And this guy was following me on my bumper and just, you know, swerving around and then he'd go real fast and get in front of me and then slow down. And he was clearly attempting to terrorize me. And this was going on for a while. And then I took out my cell phone and I started shooting video of this whole thing. He must have figured that out because, man, did he get out of the way quickly and he just disappeared to the back of the pack and I never saw him again. But I did get video of him, which included his Illinois temporary tags, and I'm going to report him to the police, and I'm going to send him the video. This guy was using his car as a weapon. He was terrorizing me on the highway yesterday. Backwards baseball cap, probably about late 40s, early 50s, and for whatever reason, he was doing this as sport. He's going to get a big surprise this week. I'm getting a little concerned about Saturday night. Now, you got to be careful the way you say this because... Um, several of the people who work for Live Nation, the people who are promoters of the shows out at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater are very close friends of mine. And the last thing they need me doing is hurting the walk-up by talking about the chance of rain. It's also my job to let people know because if you are going out there, I don't want people going out there unprepared. Now, the timing of the storms could be off. The storms could miss. We've seen that happen all the time. Sometimes you get a really, really stormy day and all of a sudden it just dries out for a couple of hours. You get the concert in and then it storms like crazy by the time you get to your car and you just get lucky that way. And other times you're sitting on the lawn and the torrential rains come and you just 
sort of end up in the pavilion because of the mudslide. So I, I don't want to say anything that's going to hurt the walk-up because the walk-up's a pretty big deal for concert promoters, and I don't want to hurt them. That having been said, you know, today, no problem, 88, 64 tonight. The storms start developing late day tomorrow, high 87. And at any time, once those things start kicking up, late in the day, Friday, and then Friday, Saturday, Saturday night, Lots of discussion about high winds, violent, severe weather, and hail. Hail. A lot of mentions of hail in this whole thing. So if you're going to the show, be prepared. And if you're thinking about going to the show, you don't want to go in bad weather, well, just hold on for a little while. Let's hold on. We'll get a better view of this by tomorrow afternoon and especially by Saturday morning. Yeah, you still may end up there, you know, because the weather might... uh, do something at least a little bit different than the weather forecasters think right now. There are still people without power. Jeez, I'm the most popular guy in town today. Phone's ringing off the hook here. Um, anyhow, I think they said that they expected everybody's power back on by last night or by sometime today. The storm was Saturday. Something I did not know. I heard them talking about it on the news. And again, you know, my po- my <laughs> my problems with the power company have to do with the management people, the upper echelon, and the public relations people. Those are the people I'm not crazy about all the time. The workers, the workers, the people have to climb the poles and take their lives in their hands trying to restore power. Those people I've got ultimate respect for. No problem whatsoever there. They said it takes, if you have a downed power pole, they said that can take eight to 10 hours to repair. And in a lot of cases, they're going to a composite power pole. So up until now, it's just been logs, which they jam into the ground and then run the power lines up on top of them. Now they're going to some sort of composite thing, making the transition. But that's going to take years, and also it's more expensive. But once you put them up, they have a tendency not to come down. But then you also got to wonder, how come we're not burying power lines? That seems like the best solution of all. And I've lived in situations where I've had exposed power lines. I've lived in situations where I've had buried power lines. And it seems like it just makes more logical sense to bury the darn things. And it's official. Best Buy stinks everywhere. Now, I've had various experience at Best Buy stores in St. Louis and in Florida. And yesterday I had one in the Chicago suburbs. And, you know, you walk in. And they greet you. That's their big thing now. They greet you like friggin' Walmart. Now you come walking in and you may or may not know how to find what it is you're looking for. In the case yesterday up here, I was looking for a 50-foot-long Ethernet cord. And it is interesting. You go to Best Buy and you look around and they have these big signs that go computers, Wi-Fi, appliances, gaming, photography, cell phones, but nothing for power cords. And again, you know, I'm walking around all over the place and nobody will help you. And there's always a gaggle of two or three or four Best Buy employees all standing around talking. And it's almost like you feel like you're, you know, interrupting. Pardon me. If you need one of them to help you, that's what they're there for. But I'm starting to feel like I got this figured out because it seems to me that some of these people might not be exactly social butterflies. I mean, for God's sakes, they call the operation the Geek Squad. So, you know, what are we talking about here? And I'm I'm convinced that 
people who work at Best Buy, not all of them, but a lot of them, fill out an application to work at Best Buy just so they have some place to go every day. And going into work at Best Buy, yeah, it's a job, but it's really their only opportunity to have human interaction. And you'd think that they would have human interaction with the people they're supposed to be having human interaction with, which is us, the customers, but no, they're all standing around. I took a picture yesterday of four of them standing there while I'm trying to find a goddamn power cord. And clearly, the last thing on their mind is helping a customer. All this while Subway is still trying to recover from the Jared days. Charles Barkley doing commercials. Those are really lazy commercials, too, because most of them he's not even on. You just hear his voice. And I saw the number. I saw the amount of money that they're paying Charles Barkley to do those commercials. I can't remember who it was, but I remember thinking to myself, holy Christ, are they paying him a lot of money for that? So it still doesn't seem to be working. Like I said, they've not really recovered from the Jared scandal. So now the big thing is that, you know, as a result of pressure from places like, well, Jersey Mike's which I love, and they slice the meat right there for you. You know, they're slicing it and throwing it on the sandwich. Subway using all pre-sliced meat. So you say I want some turkey and salami, and they reach in there, and the stuff is already sliced, and they just throw it on your sandwich. And apparently people have noticed the difference between Subway and a place like Jersey Mike's. And so succumbing to the pressure, Subway now has meat slicers. We'll see how much of a difference that makes. Running out of things to say about the Cardinals, the only thing I think people should be saying is just acknowledging the fact that this is over now. This is done. This season is done. I won't even look at the... All right, I'll look at the standing. Oh, Jesus, we're 12 and a half back. 12 and a half games on a first place, not even the All-Star break. Jordan Hicks. Oh, man, does he have egg on his face? The other Jordan did find Jordan Walker of the moonshot, 444 feet. That was the go-ahead run. Look who's hot. Look who's hot. And I was telling everybody, you don't forget how to play baseball. You don't forget how to hit. You know, you might have a slow start. You might have a dry streak. You might have, you know, periods where you just can't get it together. And I think it can be especially problematic when you switch teams and you replace a legend. And we've been talking about this now for half a season. But look, Wilson Contreras all of a sudden ran hot. Three more hits last night, two more RBIs. But it wasn't enough. 10-9 as Jordan Hicks just throws the ball away. They wrap up the series tonight. And again, reiterating, repeating our top story, it's over. The question becomes, what, if anything, has Cardinal management learned from this? It's going to be very, very interesting to see how they choose their words. Are they going to say that this is just one of those red herrings? We think the team we put out there was good enough to win the World Series. It just, you know, the ball just bounced the way, you know, all that kind of crap. Or are they going to say, you fucked up, you trusted us? This is going to be a long winter, a long winter. And I've said this for a long time. One of the benefits that people don't, I think they don't even think about this. One of the benefits of having your team make it to the playoffs and Gosh, you know, if you're living right, your your team, whether it's the Cardinals or somebody else, makes it all the way to the World Series. One of the benefits of that is that it makes the winter shorter because, you know, the World Series doesn't even end until the first week of November. Now you need a couple of days and then you have the big parade. The next thing you know, it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and pitchers and catchers are reporting to spring training. 
If your season is over in June, or in our case, for all intents and purposes, May, it's going to be a long winter. A long winter. Speaking of sports, a guy by the name of Mike Bush came in from Kansas City to take over the primary sports director position at Channel 5 on this date back in 1985. He had been in Kansas City prior to that. The Joe Buck All-Star Game was on this date in 2006. I don't think I'm going to tell the whole story again. You know it. I've told you that uh, we were up 10 to nothing. It was the brittle-boned media All-Stars against the former athletes. And the former athletes were not having a good night. And it was like the fourth inning, and we were up 10 to nothing. And uh, Kelly Chase, later in the game, seemed to object to the idea that I hit a home run. And as I'm rounding third, heading for home, he just pops out of their dugout, runs over, intercepts me, coming around third, heading for home, picks me up, and body slams me. I guess he thought it would be funny. All I know is I got a call at 7 a.m. the next day from Joe Buck, who was, you know, it was his celebrity all-star game. And he's like, I'm just calling to see if you're all right. We were all in the dugout. And I, he says, I remember looking over to Jason, Jason Patrick, his buddy, the actor who used to boink Julia Roberts was playing on our team. And he said, I looked at Jason and I said, did you just see that? And I'm not sure anybody knew what to think of it. I know I sure as hell didn't. That hockey mentality can catch up with you. And it was on this day back in 1990. I believe it was the first time I interviewed Harrison Ford. The movie was called Presumed Innocent. Raul Julia in this movie. Greta Skaki. Oh, my God. You talk about a perfect female specimen. Just a Bonnie Bedelia. Good movie. Scott Turow, who used to live across the street from my college friends in um, Morton Grove, Illinois just north of Chicago. But I also interviewed him for The Fugitive, and I can't remember which movie was first. I'd have to look that up. He's got a pretty good-sized scar on his chin, and, you know, he does a lot of carpentry, and one can only suspect that that was a carpentry accident. But I'm telling you, it's a big scar on his chin. You know, and that's the difference between men and women. You know, somebody like Tina Fey, you know, has a scar. You do everything you can to possibly hide it. A guy gets a scar, makes him look more rugged. Not fair. It's like Martin Mull said, it's a shame it's not fair. When men start to grow older, they have a tendency to look like Sean Connery. But when women get older, they have a tendency to look like Sean Connery. That's his joke, not mine. Don't yell at me. Steven Spielberg says, the ne- oh, uh, back up. The, uh, the Mission Impossible movie opens on Wednesday. I'll have a review for you Tuesday here on the J.C. Corcoran Podcast at jcontheline.com and also on K-Wolf at 101.5 and 101.7. Steven Spielberg suggested the next Indiana Jones could be a woman. Now, he didn't direct this Indiana Jones movie that's out right now, and I think it shows. So I guess this is a suggestion that he's going to have a hand in producing and or directing another one when it comes out. And Tom Cruise, you're thinking to yourself, well, he's starting to get a little old too. Somebody asked him about it, and he's like, fuck it. I'm going to do these into my 80s. And he mentions Harrison Ford specifically about the Indiana Jones franchise. You know, you go to a concert, and I'm a normal person. I might want an autograph or a selfie or, you know, if you get really lucky, you get a guitar pick or some sort of physical artifact that you can take home and put on your trophy wall or something like that. And then you have the younger generation of people who seem to want different things when they get an opportunity to meet a big rock and roll star. This guy, Machine Gun Kelly, he's the one that's been boinking Megan Fox 
for the last couple of years. Good work if you can get it. So uh, a fan at one of his shows says, hey, it's really a pleasure to meet you. Can you punch me in the face, please? And MGK, as he is known, was reluctant, but then finally did it. He wanted to make the guy happy, and for whatever reason, being, <laughs> being punched in the face was a desirable thing. Nelly selling half of his rights to his music catalog, $50 million price tag on that. This uh, thing between Kevin Costner and his ex-wife is like an episode of Real Housewives or something, except it's real. She won't get out of the house. Judge comes along the answer and says, get out of the fucking house. You got till July 31st. Aubrey O'Day. This is one of these chicks that is, uh, I don't happen to find her very attractive. Some people do. She's one of these people who just runs around in Hollywood, doesn't really seem to do much. A couple of movies and TV shows and stuff. Never has really sort of, you know, broken through to the A-list of celebrities or even the B-list for that matter. So um, she says the first time she had sex with Donald Trump Jr. was in the bathroom at a gay bar. There's a lot going on there, and I have more questions than answers. And I think the first time I met and interviewed Charlize Theron was for a movie called Two Days in the Valley. Terry Hatcher was in it. But Charlize Theron, I believe it was her first movie, or at least her first big movie, and she quit the grinning and dropped the linen and had a very, very graphic sex scene in this movie. Oh, James Spader is in it. Yeah, that's right. Playing one of those evil characters that he always seems to play. Anyhow, there's Charlize Theron, very, very pretty gal. She was uh, standing next to me in the food line at the hospitality suite after we saw the movie on a Friday night, getting ready to do the interviews on Saturday very, very, very handsome female. She had a tough life as a kid. She had an alcoholic father who shot at her and her mother when she was little. The mother got her own gun, shot back, and killed her husband. The police and the prosecutor said, mm-mm, self-defense. She was never charged. And in a new poll, 25% of Americans admit to lying at least once a day. There's 75% of people who were polled who said they don't, which makes them liars, which puts them <laughs> in, in the other column. Men were a little more likely to admit lying, 26% compared to 23% of women. Men also said they're more likely to lie multiple times a day. Millennials, by the way, biggest liars. Gen X and Gen Z are next. Baby boomers were the least likely to say they lie a lot. Nice job, everybody. But this is the stuff I like. My buddy Les Trent, who you see on Inside Edition, great guy. Roots in Buffalo, where I spent part of my career. Anyhow, I, I like when they have the body language experts come on. I really think there is something to this. And we know that the police use it too. And they can't use it you know, for anything that would be admissible in court but it helps them stay on track because they're interviewing somebody and the person is all jumpy and sweaty and everything. They're like, okay, well, we probably should keep this person around and keep asking questions because we now have reasonable expectation that we have found our suspect. Can't use it in court, but it'll keep you on the right path. And so there's a whole science involved in this interpretation of body language, movements, stuff like that. If people will not look you in the eye, they're probably lying. Too much eye contact, but that can also be a sign. Fidgeting, if you start sweating, you start talking really fast. If you're blinking a lot, you start tripping over your words, playing with your hair, touching your face. Or if you start using a odd number of 
hand gestures. My dad always said, if you get stopped by the police, don't say anything. You absolutely positively have to say something. Yes, no, stay out of trouble. Things are starting to bubble up in Ukraine. Again, the war with Russia and Volodymyr Zelensky doing uh, some interviews this week with CNN. One of the Russian commanders who have been fighting in Ukraine since the war began has been killed in action. Putin announced his replacement yesterday, Ryan Seacrest. And with that, the J.C. Cochran podcast for Thursday, July 6, 2023 is in the can. We're here every weekday morning, Monday through Thursday at 11 o'clock. We don't do much yakking on the morning show on 101.5 and 101.7. West of Beyond and online at kwolf.com. That's about the music, rock and Americana. This is about the talk. And that's it now for this week. Next podcast is Monday, but we'll talk to you tomorrow morning on cable. Have a great day, everybody. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. I need you, darling, to clean between my toes when they are not clean to my satisfaction. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.